Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The 13 on the Coivecast. Uh, I'm Ross Williams, your host as always. Adam, hello mate, how you doing? Hello mate, it's interesting this one, neither of us in the uh, hot seat. For the first time. Mm. For the first time. Uh, we do have a guest uh, for this third episode of uh, My 13 and it is at Cast Rubber Shirts on Twitter, it is Steve McNichol. Uh, we've just recorded something extra special with Steve. But while we had him here, of course, he's going to give his 13, his all-time 13 um, uh, of Castleford greats. I'm really excited to listen to this because obviously you'll have listened to our first two episodes. Me and Adam have got similar-ish teams because obviously we're slightly, pretty much the same generation. You're a slightly, slightly different generation. Um, older, older Ross is what you mean. I think older. I tried to be polite about it, <laughs> <laughs> but no. Uh, at least you could you could have heard and seen uh, of players that we simply just didn't have. We just didn't, simply didn't see. I mentioned kind of Adrian Bowles and players like that on my episode. Yeah, he'd be in my team. I just didn't see him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to hear about some uh, some players that we've not mentioned in our first two episodes. So, uh, yeah, Steve, excited to uh, run down your thirteen. Yeah, I have to say, I found it so difficult. You two guys both said on on your podcast how difficult you'd found it. Yeah. I'm like, I've got more players to go at. <laughs> yeah. So where uh, you're choosing one bit, one of two or two of three, I'm um, I'm kind of looking, going, which one of these four players <laughs> do you actually pick here? Um, but I, I think I've got it nailed. I think. I did change one today. I'll tell you when I get to it. I did change (laughs) one literally today. Um, But yeah, I think I've got it nailed. It wouldn't be my 13 without a late minute minute change. (laughs) I think everyone's going to do that. Um, Just just, just in terms of your, not not ground rules per se, but your earliest memories of casting, because obviously what kind of year are we going from? Uh, so, So I've always been a cast fan. So I'm just over 40 now. And I'm... Being at Cass is one of my earliest childhood memories, vaguely. Both my parents were Cass fans. Um, my parents had their first date at the Weldon Road end. Um, oh, so that's kind of how that's kind of how ingrained it is in our family. Um, my dad, um, they, they met inside just so my dad didn't have to pay for my mum to get in, no. just in case he didn't, just, just in case he didn't like her. Um, <laughs> so I kind of always remember being down at Cass. But I think, you know, you, you when you're so young, you're not necessarily that focused on the game. Um, and I think I kind of t- started understanding the game and, and kind of being interested in watching the game rather than just running around the concourse, um, kind of early 90s. Um, so we're kind of going early 90s. I think, I think the game that cemented kind of that lifelong sport was probably that Regal Trophy final. Um, yeah. Being there in that crowd at that end at Headingley. Um, was just unbelievable uh, and that moment I think I've been chasing that moment again ever since um, I've not seen a, a cast performance since then that quite matched up to that um, but the atmosphere that day and the kind of buzz the the game that kind of cemented my kind of lifelong support I think and and since so since the early 90s and then basically that Regal Trophy final kind of always been been that that kind of supporter up until up until now. Perfect. And obviously, I've not seen your team. This is going to be a, 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 a surprise to me and Adam, uh, as it will be to the listener. I dare say there might be one or two from that Regal Trophy uh, final win, potentially. Um, all right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Fullback, number one, the man at the back, the man directing the troops. Plenty of good options there. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm fairly straight for this one, fairly straightforward, Graham Stedman. Um, 
So Steady was just sublime from fullback. His anticipation, his um, his ability to see a gap in the defensive line and step through it, uh, pace, he, he was incredibly quick. It's not maybe something you think of when you think of Graham Steadman, but he, he, was, he, was, he had a serious bit of pace about him. Um, and I think the reason I pick him is that he was the first player, I think, that offered that level of attack from fullback. So traditionally, you'd had your, your fullback was a very much a defensive player. They caught the up and unders. They caught the they they, they tackled the, the player who made a break. They ushered the the winger into touch, and they were very much perceived to be a, a defensive minded player. And Steady changed all that um, because he was an attacking weapon um, from fullback. Um, if he picked the if that long kick when he kick returned, he could go full length of the pitch. Um, and I think there's a video of him scoring a try at Headingley um, in that um, really amber away shirt kind of going from one. But that was regular. That just happened to be on TV. Steady used to do that regularly. Uh, and I think the, the only player I've seen kind of near it is Zach. Um, so I think Zach Adeka could do it as well, um, it, where you could break that defensive line immediately and either score the try himself or put us on the front foot so a, a try is inevitable. Um, and Steady, I think, was the first player who really... Um, really offered an attacking threat mm. from fullback when he was picking the ball up and returning it, but also when when we were on the attack, he was the first fullback you really saw joining and and kind of putting himself into the line and then firing the ball out to the winger. Um, so yeah, Steady is a definite kind of. He was a game changer, I think, as a fullback, um, and you know, was a Great Britain fullback um, during his time at Cas was recognised and, and scored that try for Great Britain when they beat Australia down under. I think one of the one of the only one of the few times that um that Great Britain had beaten Australia. Um so yeah and what I loved about Steady is he was a he was really creative as well. So he would often kind of put that chip and chase over the defensive line, even on a kick return. So I remember a number of times he would be returning a kick and you'd be expecting him to kind of hit the line or try and find a gap. And he'd kick it over the defenders who were trying to close him down. And you like, he's done a chip and chase from his his own forty, and just sailed in to score. And yeah, he, he was a game changer as far as I'm concerned in terms of how fullbacks play the game. Perhaps that's why he made the transition to a defence coach in the rugby union. So yeah. well, <laughs> because he was willing to kick it on the first yeah. tackle, maybe that's what it was. Um, yeah, he's one of those players who I've, I've grown up hearing about. Really, one of those kind of superstars of cast and. Um, a game cha- game change was honestly the, the word in mind uh, before you said it. Obviously, when you referenced Zach as well, I think there's good fullbacks and there's, there's real game changers. People I can really kind of make a difference, not just be solid, but be beyond that. Uh, and Steady was one of those guys. And from an era of uh, transfer fees uh, as well, I believe I believe mm, quite a hefty transfer fee. I think he's still time. our record signing. Oh. All this time later, I think he's still our record signing. It's a weird thing, isn't it? That just—I mean, I guess it's not a weird thing. It's purely just a monetary issue. But like, transfer fees just gone out of the game, really, haven't they? I mean, they, they still—I like, mean, I know Leeds have uh, paid a couple this um, this off season in terms of Brodie Croft and Andy Akers, and they still knock around a little bit. But it's not really something you hear about too often, really. It's a kind rare of transfer one. fees, and yeah, yeah. yeah I understand he was a a fair bit of cash to bring him over, and. Um, more than kind of uh, lived up to it, I think. Absolutely. And uh, it was interesting. I was saw some footage of him playing for, he's playing for the All-Stars, the Rugby League All-Stars charity team. And then I think I saw footage of him one day and the next day they broke the news of Nia Level's injury. And I genuinely thought, <laughs> <laughs> how old is the, 
the the how old is the the latest comeback in Super League history? How old? And then I looked it up and I thought, no, even if he even if he could, he probably wouldn't. But he's still got it. He's watched that footage. He's still got everything he used to have. Um, absolute class. We watched him at Massey's uh, testimonial game yeah. for the All Stars, and it, it, it looks like he's good, Nick, isn't he? Absolutely, it, <laughs> it, it looks no different, which is what made me think. It looks, this bloke looks no different from when he was ripping it up against um, against teams in the nineties. Yeah, yeah we love that. Oh yeah, I was saying for Massey's testimonial, we talked about Bruffy, we talked about uh, well, Wagger runs about like a headless chicken on a daily ba- basis, I think. <laughs> um, but the other guy that were kind of running around with them was Graham Steadman, and I. God knows how many years he's got on those two. Oh, a fair few, a fair few. And it's yeah. it's kind of interesting, almost a bit of a shame, really, that he's, well, it's up to him what he wants to do, I suppose, but he hasn't been involved in the coaching side of things too much in rugby league. Obviously, he did. I believe he was defence coach for Scotland Rugby Union. Yeah, think, Scotland and Ireland. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the long, long line of uh, rugby league players. Obviously, Andy Farrell's probably the best coach in rugby union at the moment uh, with what he's done at Ireland and probably the Lions uh, in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, it's almost a shame that he's not come back over uh, and coach more in league and coach more to the standard he almost certainly could do. Uh, maybe it's something for the future if he fancies it, but ultimately... Yeah, and, and again, I don't it. know how well-paid coaching, rugby league coaching is. Probably um, not that well, <laughs> if we're being honest. You know, yeah. the, no, if no, he's no. pursued another career, he may well he may well be financially better off. And as we've seen with Daniel, um, you know, who would have thought that, uh, obviously I don't know his salary, but who would have thought that Daniel would then go and join the police? Yeah. But these these people, there are careers outside rugby league and I'm guessing the game doesn't pay highly enough to retain people who could go on and financially do better elsewhere. 100%, we can dream. We can dream. Uh, okay, fullback, a more than worthy recipient uh, in Graham Stedman with the number one shirt, which brings us to the wing position and number two, Steve. Number two, um, same era, Cincinnellis. Uh, so this is going on that basis of players who you just love to watch. Singe was ju- he was just box office. Yeah, every time he touched that ball, you thought something could happen. You thought genuinely, you thought he could score wherever he got it on the field. He was so evasive, so fast, had such a um, such a step that you could almost sense the crowd every time Singe got the ball, lean forward in their seats or just stand on their tiptoes. And he was that kind of player that people just always expected something to happen when he's got the ball in his hands. Um, it, anywhere in broken play, it, it could fashion a break. He had this great, great shimmy. Um, where he'd stand up his opposite winger or opposite centre, he'd kind of move side to side to side to side and, and then go. It must have been an absolute nightmare to defend. I don't think he ever ran straight. Um, and and he had this he had this um, this duck that he had. So he would literally duck under tackles. So he would put a step and then duck and players would dive over the top of him and he'd be gone. Um, and he was just so, um, so exciting to watch. You know, those, those fast feet, um, and strong as well, you know, not not the biggest, but but still a strong player. Um, and and obviously he had that season where he scored a, a ridiculous amount of tries that was the club record for for many many years. Yeah. Um, and he was just so exciting to watch. He also was a character, you know. He would be the one coming back down the touchline, getting the fans up, um, kind of encouraging, interacting with the fans, um, and everyone just loved to watch him play. Um, so I think, yeah, number two, um, Singinellis. It's going to be a theme of this team, of course, obviously with my generation, but absolutely one of those players 
probably top three that I, I wish I'd seen. Yeah. Uh, that I, I wish I'd seen Agreed. in the flesh. Just an absolute for all the reasons you've sort of said. But just I mean, you look at the tapes of just an, a, a physical specimen as well. Yeah, and a proper athlete. Uh, which weren't always the case, <laughs> but back back in those days in rugby league as well, just a proper proper athlete uh, who could do it all, as you say. Um, yeah, any thoughts on Saint Janelis? Obviously, again, a little bit before our time, Adam. But yeah, we we spoke on your episode and said that the kind of three wingers, like legend, like class wingers that you're picking from of this generation. Obviously, we spoke about Justin Carney, Dennis Almona, Greg Eden, but one I had in the back of my mind when I was making that comment of just thinking a little bit further back with the amount of people that talk about him yeah, the amount thing. of raps that 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 lad gets Sinjanellis is the one that I would have up there with those three especially in the last if you take it just back to the kind of 90s for your criteria so it's no shock to hear that he's in in your team Steve one of those as well where I think we've said we said before on, on our episodes about how revered players are from fans of other teams mm. I think when you ask non-cast fans around the, about those teams of kind of the 90s he's probably one of the names they'd say uh, probably one of the first yeah. names they'd say uh, I think he, he's well revered by, by fans of other clubs and often that's the highest praise you can ever get uh, I think and um, yeah uh, a player a player that other teams feared and that's ultimately what you'd team. So I think St. Janelis fantastic addition to this 13 at number 2 um, we'll move to the centres then we'll leave you the wing position until we get to number 5 so number 3 here we go now, I promise it's not all of the Regal Trophy winning team. <laughs> when but, I said that initially, I didn't think it was going to be. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be all of them. We should have gone left side first, maybe. But um, Richie Blackmore, um, and again, his partnership with Sinjanelli was just incredible. But but Richie had he had everything you'd want in a modern day centre, uh, and I think again he broke the mould in the way that he played that that centre game. He was he had the size. He was strong. He was fast. His hands were was phenomenal. So the speed that he could get that ball out wide, um, that catch and pass from left to right, which you know he's perceived to be the more difficult skill, the speed he could do that was was just incredible. And, and he's one of you know the reason that Singe scored a lot of his tries because he used to be able to create that space for for Singe to exploit. Um, so his hands were lovely, and he he had that ability to fend with one hand and pass with the other. So the amount of times that we scored off the back of one of Richie Blackmore's plays where he'd, he'd lead with his left arm, fend the defender off. And sometimes it'd be like men against boys. He'd be swatting plays off. You know, sometimes you see those videos of big kids who were playing against other kids who were the same age, but obviously they're just not as physically mature as that. It was a bit like that sometimes watching Richie. <laughs> he would bump players off as if as if they were kids on a playground. Um, and he'd bump him off with his left uh, and he would flick that pass out with his right hand to, to his winger. Uh, and I think, I've not seen anyone who does that as well, maybe apart from Jamie Lyon. He had that that ability as well to go into contact and then flick that pass out to the winger. Um, and the, the other thing with Richie is that he was a monster in defence. Defensively, he was just... Um, it's scary. I would have hated to have played against him. I mean, I wouldn't fancy playing against any Super League player, but <laughs> him of all people. He, he used to make a habit of dragging out his, his opposite centre into touch. And, and they weren't even going that way to start with. So they'd try and step him on the inside and he'd literally grab him and drag him out into touch. He was strong as a bear was the bloke. 
Um, and so defensively, the amount of times he must have won us that ball back um, with that kind of defensive effort and dragging his opposite centre, sometimes, you know, five, ten metres, maybe it's something you wouldn't get away, wouldn't get away with these days. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't dragging him on the floor. He was literally picking him up and, and bus, bustling yeah. him out. Um, so maybe he will get away with it. Um, but yeah, absolutely class player. Um, had everything, everything you'd want in a, in a centre. Um, obviously, New Zealand international during his time at Cass as well. So, you know, high quality elite player um, and then came, went back to NRL, did really well playing, playing in NRL. Then got, to he's got people come yeah. and play, come and yeah. play at least. But I think, is, um, I think I'm right in saying he scored the first ever grand final try. Um, so, um, yeah. So, but yeah, Richie Blackmore, absolutely phenomenal player um, and certainly a definite pick you know it wasn't a should i choose him or someone else definite right center richie blackmore by far and away the best i've seen love that love that a lot of fans by generation we hear from our, our parents yeah. uh, about about these players this is one my dad talks about all the time he look he always mentions richie blackmore when we talk about it. he's going to be on the podcast i don't know whether the episode's going out first no it won't this will be first um, my dad's will be afterwards. Um, I would not be surprised to see Richard Butler in, in his team as well uh, for the very same reasons you said. You kind of touched on the point I was going to say towards the end there, and I'll, I'll raise it to you, Adam. It's just a different generation. Isn't it? It's a different time. We're, we're signing players now in the 2023 yeah. off-season going into 2024. We're just about managing to sign um, Tier 3 or Tier 2 um, internationals yeah. due, to the, due to the quota uh, restrictions and the kind of stuff and visa restrictions more than anything. Uh, so obviously guys from PNG, the Gleam Horns, etc. And uh, obviously the guys from the Lebanese team. This is the guy with 25 caps of the yeah. Kiwis <laughs> Play, playing down well the road. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's crazy to, for us to kind of fathom that. That was not that long ago, was it? No, that we were talking no. about genuine rugby league superstars. Like proper internationals. And I, I don't want to take yeah. away from sort of Papua New Guinea and Lebanon, but to be able to play for New Zealand, we've had... Quite 15 few. tries for the Kiwis, by the way. <laughs> We've had a few New Zealand internationals, but not many that are currently in that team, like obviously Richie Blackmore was, obviously making appearances for the Kiwis while at Cass. We can look yeah. at sort of recent examples of players that have been New Zealand internationals, and you're obviously looking at Jake Webster, Ben Roberts. They played for the Kiwis, but it was a while after... Uh, a while before joining Cass. This is so, simultaneous. This is this simultaneous. Is, this is at the same time. Yeah. So it shows the amount of talent that that, that fella held. And obviously, I mean, it's going to be a uh, kind of running theme for me and Ross, another guy that I'd have loved to watch play. Yeah, 100%. Especially in a Cass shirt. 100%. Can we get away from the Regal Trophy team? Let's see. Yes, we can. Other centre spot. Who's, who's your number four, Steve? Uh, Michael Shen. We know Five. this one. <laughs> Shenny, I mean, uh, what can you say that you two guys haven't already said about the bloke? Um, just one of the best in, in all aspects of of his play, but also his leadership qualities, his impact on the team, the driving of standards. Um, just um, a top top rugby league player and top top professional. I'm. Although I found a stat, or I've I've kind of tracked back to a stat that I don't think either of you two mentioned, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use it. That it. between 2014 and 2020, no player in Super League had more try assists than Michael Shen. Wow. And I know not there'll be there'll be some players who had more in this season, 
but no player had more try assists or try involvement. So when you add up the, the assists and the, the tries that he did score. And there's this, sometimes this perception that he never passed. Yeah, I was just about but, to make that, that point. It, it was, it was, <laughs> this guy was often the, had the most assists for a centre. So, all right, he might not have topped the charts. It, it, you know, you'd have your halfbacks and your kickers as, as topping the try assist yeah. charts. But when you look down to fifth or sixth, he's the first centre that's there on try assists regularly. Yeah. And that, that conception, that misconception that he didn't pass just isn't true. Um, and as I say, more try involvements than any other player in Super League between 2014 and 2020. Um, which, and, and bearing in mind, he barely played in, played half a game in 2016. Missed a season, pretty much, yeah. Missed a season, and he's still that. He's still got that kind of stat. Um, one of the other things I'd say about Shenny is, is that line he used to run, that decoy, yeah. that is what produced the space for firstly Luke Dawn, who I think you picked Adam and yep. Ross Zakardaker. That line that he used to run, that angled decoy run, yeah. is was the space that Zakardaker and Luke Dawn exposed. And they exposed it and either scored themselves or shipped it out to Greg Eden, Dennis Onomoyne, whoever you want to put on that left wing. So whilst he might not have the stats for being involved in those tries, they don't happen without Michael Shenton's decoy running. Um, and he was he was exceptional at, at creating space for his fullback as well, uh, and so important in the modern game that that kind of been that ability to create space for your your, your extra pivot. Um, so yeah, um, Michael Shenton in at in at left centre. The only ever present so far, yeah. so far the only ever present. He might be an ever present for some time. Uh, I think in this series and for good reason. Um, yeah, just an absolute. A coach's dream, I would imagine, Mark Shenton, for the reasons you've just stated. And I think for, for the for the critics he did have, and I dare say the critics he had probably didn't know a great deal what they're talking about. Uh, if we're being honest, I would, I would I would I dare say that they should just speak to their poll, and I'm sure he would absolutely wax lyrical uh, about the bloke he made captain. He didn't make him captain for no reason, did he? Um, yeah, we, defensively put, good as well. I mean, de- for, not just yeah. an attack, defensively really strong as well. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe not as. Um, demonstrative as uh, Richard Blackmore, for example, but tactically, yeah, perfect. absolutely. And he looked after Greg Eden, you know, defensively. Had, yeah. He looked after Greg Eden, and and we can all acknowledge, you know, most wingers aren't great defensively, right? It's not not a dig at Greg, yeah. um, but to be able to organise his winger as well and look after his own channel, brilliant. Yeah, no easy task. Yeah. No easy task. That brings us on to the wing then. Who is on number five? Greg Eden. There we go. Um, He's got his man. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, very much a two pairings, isn't it? Blackmore and Ellis on one side, Shent and Eden on the other. Um, just an instinctive finisher. The most instinctive finisher I think I've seen um, play the game at Cass um, and possibly ever. Um, I know he's got his faults. Um, he had a lot of errors in him. Um, but when it came to who do you want to be receiving that ball with half a yard of space in front of him? Greg Eden um, or Dennis Holdemorner. <laughs> um, and that was, I had that same dilemma. Um, it, it was interesting. I, I kind of looked up some stats. Cause I think Adam, you were talking around Denny's strike rate. Um, and of course, Denny was with us for two seasons and, and his strike rate was phenomenal. You're right. And you were kind of saying Greg's strike rate's not, not quite as, quite as high, which is fair. Um, but if you actually took, Greg's best two seasons, 
then his strike rate's comparable. Yeah. That 17 and 18 season before he started having to play a lot more at fullback. Yeah. Um, so I think their strike rates were, were pretty similar if you take the seasons where they were they, they scored their most mm. tries and, and played yeah. most on the wing. But for me, just that consistency of Greg over so many years finishing those tries just edges it for me. And he did it in some big games. Um, so I always remember that 2017 semi-final. He didn't score the try. He gave it inside to Luke Gale. Yep. But that's Greg Eden's try. That burst the pace on the outside to yep. get around the edge. Um, and, and even recently, you know, those two tries at Wakefield, one of the biggest games in the club history. And the blokes, did he score two or did he get three? I can't remember. I think he got the hat-trick, didn't he? I think did he, he finish... Did he finish the game with the try? I think he finished the hat-trick in ages, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, but those two tries particularly, I mean, it, 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 the game was maybe won by the time he scored his last one. Yeah. But those two tries, massive plays in the kind of history of the club, I think. As you say, big moments, big moments. I think, to be honest, I'm trying to think now, if I think Eden, I think the try at Saints away. To be honest, uh, yeah. I think the winner at Saints away. And it's literally one of those moments where you put that ball in any, any other cast player's hands in that situation and they're not scoring. Yeah. And it's one of those, I, I, know we, I think we're already leading when we didn't necessarily have to score even so. Um, just, yeah. I mean, for all the reasons I said on my episode, um, as we've said, I think it's very much a much of a muchness in, 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 to an extent of those wing positions, particularly we talk about Denny. And obviously we had Justin Carney thrown in there as well in terms of his try scoring rate and just the, the freakish nature of him, frankly. Yeah. Um, but this modern generation, I think Greg's as good a shout as any, and um, it's testament to him that he gets in a side where you've got probably a bit of slightly bigger case study of players to pick from as well. Um, so yeah, a very very good backline. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, let's move to halfbacks. Here's the litmus test number six. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I, just, I, could, I could justify someone, right? I'm not going to. I'm not going to pick him. But Daniel. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Danny O comes into this conversation at six, mostly from the time before he left and went to Wigan. But yeah. at that moment in time, he was probably the best halfback in the country. Yeah. Fast, creative, step, kicking gate, everything. Danny O was poster boy of rugby league um, in terms of his ability. And obviously then got that big money move to Wigan, demonstrated his ability. Wigan at that time was still going out and signing who they thought were the best players in every position. Um, so credit Daniel. I think I, I could put him in there, but I can't what? quite pick him in front of can't quite pick him in front of Rangi. Um I mean Rangi, what can you say? Um the guy was a magician, wasn't he? What? He wasn't a rugby league player, he was a sorcerer. And the stuff that he did in game I've never seen before. And I've not seen anyone do it since either. I've never seen people pull off the sort of stuff that he could pull off on a on a rugby league field. Um, just absolutely sensational talent. Um, fantastic to watch. I I started, obviously I don't live locally anymore um, and I don't come to every game, but Rangi playing was a real draw. And I think that's the only time I could ever say that about an individual player. Obviously I'd, I'd still gone and supported some games without him, but he was a massive draw to go and watch because I loved watching Rangi play. Um, and I think that's probably true for, for almost everyone who kind of was there in, in those years that he played. Um, could defend as well. Oh, really yeah. big hitter in defence. Um, a halfback who could defend. Um, and... A little bit high sometimes, but we forget about that. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Occasionally. 
Um, <laughs> only when it was warranted. Um, <laughs> and yeah, ju just an absolute pleasure um, to watch the guy play. Um, I, I, one of the misconceptions I think that people have about him is that he was couldn't play in a structure. But when Daryl Powell came in on the back end of 2013 and gave that structure, I think that was some of Rangi's best performances at the back end of 20, mm -hmm. um, 2013. And I think he showed that he could play in a structure. And one of the biggest kind of disappointments, I think, is that we never saw Rangi in a Daryl Powell team. Um, I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's, he had the six shirt, didn't he, in 2017? He, wasn't, yeah. he was yeah. named number six in the squad. And obviously he was only yep. there for a matter of weeks. Because um, yep. obviously Ben Roberts plays most of the season at six and actually wears number 16. Um, people forget. I, I think that he was part of that 2017 setup, and I completely agree. Imagine if things had gone slightly. I mean, not that we necessarily needed him in the end um, in the way the season went, but yeah, uh, imagine you add some Rangi magic to that magic that was already there. Absolutely, would have, been, would have been absolutely sensational. Um, yeah, you, you make perfect points about Rangi. Obviously, he's, in a way, he's probably the easiest pick uh, in, a, in a lot of teams. I think because he's yeah. so different. He's so different to everything else we've seen. Um, you talk about that draw. We mentioned ourselves about the fact that you would go to see Rangi rather than the team. Yeah. Even sometimes, Adam, I think the fact that I know it's a it's a, a sour spot for us, but like the fact that Marwan spent the money and brought him over is just testament to. What absolutely. he was, he was a spectacle himself, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Mao and Kukash came in wanting the best players to get more fans in at Salford. Yeah, he went out and bought Rangi Chase because he's was the draw in Super League. We talk about draws, and you can talk about sort of when you talk about draws, you talk about like wrestling and stuff, and who are the main event kind of wrestlers and people that are in those com big companies. Rangi Chase was the main event. For a period of time in Super League, that's why he commanded the money from Marwan, and he backed it up for a lot of time at Cass on the field. When he moved to Salford, had his flashes. Obviously, we can all point to that uh, behind that the back process. flick because that gets banded about every year on social media. Yeah, so he he's got the highlight plays. Just a troubled genius, unfortunately which kind of is his only negative. But by God, were he good to watch. Absolutely. And like I say, he's in He's in my team as a six. He's in your team as a six. Another ever present so far. As a six. That's, yeah, that's two of presents. Uh, as we move to scrum half, number seven. Here we go. Really hard pick, this one. Um, between imagine. two players um, who were very, very similar. Um, so both um, organisation of the team, superb. Um, fantastic kicking game. Um, both of them long kicking game, short kicking game. Um, the pass selection, the ability to know when to make the pass, when not to make the pass. Um, the ability to pass either side. Kind of, I was choosing between Brad Davis and Luke Gale. You can't get them both in. Um, firstly, Rangi's there. Secondly, yeah. um. Both too similar, both very much a seven, a controlling seven, um, and both fantastic to watch. Um, and I found it really hard to pick which one of these I went with, um, but I went with Luke Gale. Um, I went with Luke Gale, and I went with Luke Gale for a few reasons. Firstly, he was clutch. Yeah, if you're a point, if you're level and you need a drop goal, Luke Gale's your man. 
Yeah, you would nobody, maybe Mark Sneed, but Luke Gale is the man you want to throw that ball to. And I was worried to death when he signed for Wakefield. Because <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> Add a third to that, are you? You're just thinking this story is written for Luke Gale, isn't it? Um, because he made things happen for himself. Yeah, it's not luck. He makes things happen for himself. Yeah. Um, and he's a massive competitor. He hates losing. Um, he competes and competes all day. Um, and if you want anyone in that moment to kick you a conversion like he did in the, the semi final to take it to Golden Point or to land that one point Luke Gales, the man you want, stood underneath those posts. Um obviously everyone remembers twenty seventeen, which is fair, Man of Steel. Um but at that time they were also doing the Albert Goldthorpe medal, which was for the most consistent player and, and they they used a scoring system similar to what we now use for Man of Steel. It's the three point system, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Correct. Now Luke Gale won that in twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. If that had have been if we'd have been doing Man of Steel under the current point scoring system, he could have well gone three in a row there. Mm. Because he won he won he won the competition that was essentially using that scoring system of yeah. giving points out per per game. Now I'm not suggesting he should have done. Um I'm that's not right, overly... that's right from his debut season as well, was it? Twenty fifteen, obviously when he came yep. in. I mean that's yep. so in a new system, having just been in a relegated side from Arkansas. Yeah. So he could have gone back to back to back on Man of Steel, if we were, if Man of Steel at that point was under the current point scoring system, yeah. obviously it wasn't. Um, it was player vote, I believe. So, yeah. funnily enough, Zach Ardick won it in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it was the league of treble winning year, wasn't it? So yeah, was I guess they were always going to pick. And, and again, that different point scoring system is interesting, isn't it? Because there's the kind of perception that it maybe favours good players in not so great teams, um, which I think is probably true. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that Luke Gale in 15, 16 and 17 was sublime. Absolutely. Not too much more to add on the back of that, to be honest. I think clutch is the word for him. Yeah. Clutch is absolutely the word for him. We we wax lyrical about him in our episodes. I mean, I don't think there's much more for us to say about how much we admire the skill set that Luke Gale's got and what he brought to, to those cast teams during his time at the club. Yeah. What I'm realising is I'm hopeful we're going to do 50, 100 episodes of this. We're yeah. really going to have to dive into the stats of these oh, players yeah. everyone's going to pick out. <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> to keep, Luke, keep talking about things. I mean, the, the Luke Gale, I remember when, do you remember when um, the back end of last year when Wakefield were drawing with, was it Salford? Who were they drawing with? And they went into Golden Point. Oh, it was Lee. And, wasn't it? Well, Lee. Was it Lee? It was Lee. Because yeah. um, it was Gaz O'Brien. And I, I'd watched the Sky game and I was listening to it on the radio, and I didn't know the Wakefield team. And all that's going through my head is, God, I hope Luke Gale's not playing. Yeah. I hope he is not playing. I think um, I messaged Adam saying Gale's going to kick one here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't find the team. I couldn't find the team, and I'm thinking, oh, I, hope, I hope. And in the end, he was playing, but obviously that it just went the other way. But I think it's a mark of how yeah. how well rated he is that we're all worried about him yeah. playing for another team five years down the track. Mm. I mean, um, after half a year where he's been part-time roofing and yeah. playing for Keithley and still there was that fit. I mean, did he yeah. actually drop goal to take it to a golden point? I think he did. He did. Uh, yeah, he, he managed to get it to golden point just couldn't quite kick two drop goals because that's, you know, I mean, who, who does that? Well, um, Luke, it'd have been prime Luke Gale, wouldn't it, yeah, to do that? 100%. He so, uh, was just outdone by maybe the only... <laughs> the only player in Super League more clutch than him 
Yeah, absolutely. You for Brian somehow. <laughs> Once a tiger, always a tiger. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, there's the backs. There's the backs. It is pretty phenomenal so far. So we move to the forward pack and number eight, the first prop forward position. Yep. Um, firstly, someone I didn't pick, but I think deserves a mention, uh, Danny Nutley. Um, yeah. So Danny Nutley, you know, you were talking earlier about players like Richard Blackmore playing at Caswell's being current internationals. Yes. Danny Nutley played yeah. State of Origin. 2005 running out for cast 2006 and he was a definite state of origin level player you watched him play and he was a cut above he was a cut above what you saw most of the time as a prop forward um and his time here was was short and it wasn't a great season but he was one of the highlights of that season he was just immense made the dream team i believe Dream team in a team that were relegated. Yeah, that's impressive um, in itself, isn't it? Impressive in itself, but I think more equally or perhaps more impressive is that they were doing stats by this point and he was the top meter maker in Super League and the top tackler. Wow. Now, wow. how does a bloke do that? How does someone have the engine to, in a, in a pretty poor team, be making the most meters in Super League and making the most tackles in Super League. Both the bloke's just ball. a machine. Um, and and it wasn't uncommon for him to like, on a from a, a penalty restart or a, a, a any kind of tap restart, he'd take drive one, drive three and drive five and make meters on them all. Um, and I've not seen any player who has put in that amount of so effort good. and then backing it up with top tackling in defence. Um, so credit to Danny Nutley, um, not in the team. Um, but it'd be on the it, bench. It, I tell you what, it, it's some wrap on the two props you've got in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep, fair point. Yeah. Yeah. So first prop that is in um, Lee Crooks. Um, just so different, um, particularly of his era. Um, his ball playing ability was just out of this world. The way he could get a ball out of contact. No other prop four was doing it at the time, I don't think. Most props were battering rams. Um, and, and Crooks, he, could be a battering ram, but he was so much more than that. And he used to get that ball out so late in contact. He'd almost be tackle complete and the ball would pop out. And mm. it wasn't just popping out randomly. It was popping out to, you know, it was deliberately being put to the support player. Um, obviously, a lot of appearances, Great Britain International during his time at the club, captain of the Regal Trophy final, goal kicker extraordinaire. Um, so yeah, in terms of, ability and and a player you really enjoy watching because he made so much happen um lee crooks goes in at, at number eight yeah completely understand that one a fair bit of longevity as well with crooks as you say yeah. obviously started i'm looking now way back in 1980 uh for whole fc obviously made 200 appearances there obviously had his stint uh in australia uh obviously with the, the way the seasons went there back in the day obviously western suburbs uh, played for balmain as well uh got big big raps down there uh, well, well, regardless, Crooks isn't he down, down under as uh, one of those players that went over? Just only played 40 games down there, but still one of those players talked about to this day. Obviously, another one of those that you know, told the old book there with a, <laughs> a stint at Leeds, obviously, <laughs> but, but crucially, crucially played most of his games for Cast 222 games for Castleford. And the one thing that sticks out to me and Adam, I think, for Crooksy is obviously because he's, again, he's, I mean, he retired in 1997. That's the year I was born. So obviously, I didn't uh, have too much time to see him as a player. 
I love a prop forward who can kick a ball. Yeah. <laughs> I love it's, a goal kicking prop. It's the one thing I was just thinking about because I know we spoke about it in my my 13, talking about obviously Chubbs, who went yeah. on to be a goal kicking prop forward, and Westy as a goal kicking loose forward. I feel like Crooks is the one that sticks out in my mind as the iconic. Yeah. Uh, and off sand as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> None of this modern technology <laughs> nah. with, with cones. No, just get it, get a dollar to sand on. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's also he's the youngest ever Great Britain Test forward as well. I mean, again, we talk about longevity. That's fifteen years before he retired. Remarkable career, remarkable career for Lee Crooks in that era um, as well. Yeah, in, in that, that era. era, in that era where they were taking playing props. Um, yeah, sensational, absolutely sensational. Lee Crooks absolutely deserves that number eight shirt in this team, which brings us to number nine, the hooker role. Um, one of the toughest ones, uh, I think, certainly for me and Adam. I'm sure it's the same for you. Yep. Uh, and again, like I said at the beginning, you had one from two. I've got to pick one from three because yeah. I think you've got Paul McShane and Daryl Clark, but you had Aaron Raper um, into this mix here. Um, Aaron Raper was a phenomenal hooker. Um, distribution, he could fly a ball from that rook half the length, half the width of the field. Um, his distribution was absolutely incredible. Um he could run from the rook and again in an era where that maybe wasn't as common um and your hooker wasn't picking up and going he used to be able to certainly his kind of trademark move to pick the ball up from the rook step round the rook and then pass the ball on rather than just distributing it straight from the floor um so aaron raper certainly comes into contention i think from my time watching Cass. um but i've gone for paul machine um just two votes for Macca out of three so far. Yeah, hard. Um, but I think when you look at Paul McShane compared to Daryl Clark, his game's just more varied. So Daryl Clark, blistering pace, very effective, pick up from the rook and go. Beyond that, he's a decent player. But Macca, he's got everything. So maybe not that pace out of dummy half to burn everybody. He picks and chooses his moments and his intelligence means that he sees that retreating defender still as well as Daryl Clark does. But I think he brings with it that distribution is probably better than Daryl Clark's. His guile is better, I think. His kind of tactical awareness and, and making sure he makes the right play at, at the right time. I'm kind of thinking, remember that, that cup game away at OKR? Um the try he scored in the semi-final in 2021 against Warrington at Lee just, I think, gives him the edge over Daryl Clark. Just that more varied game um, and that guile and that tactical um, that tactical play that maybe Daryl Clark doesn't have, even though he's still a fantastic player at what he does. I think Paul McShane edges it. Yeah, understandable. Understandable. It's a great pick. Uh, the current captain getting into this team. Um, interesting to hear about Aaron Raper as well, part of that 99 team. I believe we were, we were so good. Uh, and obviously, we're probably very unlucky, really, not to end up with silverware, really, back, back in 99. Um, yeah, Mackie gets the vote. I'll, I'll let you go, Adam, because obviously I did go Clark uh, for reasons that if you've not listened to my episode, do head back and listen. Um, but yeah, Paul Machine. Yeah, the, intelli- the intelligence of Macca just. His rugby brain is arguably one of the top five in Super League and has been for the last few years. I would quite easily argue he's just his game management's second to none. And it's no shot that we look at 
a damn sight better team when he's on the field than when he's missing. And until sort of, even this year, when he kind of dropped out the team before Liam Horn came in, we looked a little bit lost in that nine shirt and in, in, and, in and around that play of the ball. I know we had some guys kind of try and fill, it, fill his boots, but the despite I think him being... I think it was understated, it was understated how much we missed Macca this year, yeah. I think. Despite him being small, he's got some big boots to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm really, I'm excited about Macca this year, going yeah. to 2024 as well. And Good to see him back. Yeah, obviously a fully fit Matt McShane. Obviously, we've seen him a little bit in preseason um, photos and stuff. He looks in good nick. He looks, he looks ready to go. Obviously, testimonial year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, he'll want to make a good impression. And I dare say the addition of Danny Maguire to the coaching staff will be wonderful for him. Uh, I think, obviously, I think they're good mates anyway. But just that kind of brain trust, as you say, the intelligence there. Danny Mags' intelligence there. We've already seen, we've heard a video today about um, of Danny Mags getting mic'd up at training. You can already kind of hear it. I think Mac is the word he says the most <laughs> in that minute and 10 seconds we saw. Um, they're going to have quite that relationship, I think. And obviously the fact there's a couple of half battles coming through there as well in, in Rowan Milnes, obviously Danny Richardson coming back and that kind of connection he's going to have with those guys. Really, really excited about Macca going forward into 2024. Um, but yeah, for what he's put on the field already, what he's already got down in the book, he absolutely deserves uh, to be in one of, these, one of these teams. So he's in at nine. The other prop, number 10. Who we got, Steve? This is the player who went in today because I'd got him down as one of those to mention, um, but not in the team. And the more I thought about it and the more I kind of made notes and thought, yeah, this is what I'm going to say about this player. He forced his way in because I can't leave him out because this team is around who you've enjoyed watching the most. Um, And that's not to minimise his ability um, because another Great Britain international, um, an England international, but 10, Dean Sampson. Um, Love that. Dean epitomises Cass um, and did for many years. Um, such a, a long playing career, one club man, um, lived and breathed the club. Um, and that's not to underestimate how, how good he was because in that era where props were... You know, the physical challenge really was the props job. Win your physical battle against your opposition props. Never a backward step. And unlike Lee Crooks, he's never passing that ball. That ball is going under <laughs> his, you know, Valpro taped up arm and he is running straight and hard at whatever's in front of him. And never, never did you see Dean get dominated in attack or defence. He was always winning that physical battle. Um, and... He was a cult hero, you know, at the time. He was absolute cult hero. Um, and the crowd got louder. Every time Dean got the ball, the crowd raised, you know, go on, Dean, Dean. And, and you could you could hear it. And Dean fed off that and the crowd fed off Dean. And I don't think I've seen a player with that sort of connection between the crowd and the player on the pitch. You know, Dean would maybe getting a bit of fisticuffs or knock someone backwards or take a massive drive and the crowd would go up and that fired Dean up and he'd be, and Dean would then fire the crowd up. And you had this circle of crowd and Dean Sampson just each egging each other on and, and raising each other. Um, and I've never seen that connection between player and, and crowd for any other, for in any other player um, where that would go on in the game. Um, and, you know, whenever he got into a little bit of a scrap or 
conceded a penalty or whatever, that, you know, that chant, Dino, Dino, Dino would go up and he'd feed off it. Uh, and then next time he'd be going in even harder. And, and he just never stopped. He was relentless and he was an absolute joy. Yeah, joy to watch and be part of that connection between a player on the pitch and uh, and the people in the crowd. Um, so yeah, that he was one of my favourite players. Um, he had some great moments. Um, Patrick against St. Helens, um, away at Saints, um, often scored at tricks. Um, I say often, not as often as the likes of for a prop. For a prop. He got a fair few hat tricks, did Dean, and a fair few tries because he just runs straight and hard, and you're not beating him in a physical battle. Um, I remember once he broke the line against Warrington, and I think it was it was either um, Lee Penny or Lee Breers at fullback, and and there was no deviation from Dean. He just ran, <laughs> ran over him. He literally trampled him at fullback, and and you can and the kind of it just leaves him crumpled on the floor because Dean, even one-on-one, is not stepping. He's not looking to pass. He's just going to run over whatever's there. Um, so some really big moments. There's that classic hit on the Halifax player. Um, massive moment that you know the game was in the balance. The club season was in the balance. And we were losing. And Dean puts a monster hit on. I think it was Oli Martins. Um, uh, wins the ball back ball gets shipped out to to the winger to score massive moment um and he just those jewels with kelvin skerritt you know they were stuff of legends um my daughter plays in a rugby uh, rugby union team where we live now and i wore a cast jacket to pick her up from training once and their coach said oh cast tigers dean sampson who wow. was that bloke that he used to beat up all the time? Uh, <laughs> and it was like, you know, even people who, who weren't kind of into yeah. rugby league and they, they knew about this jewel of Dean and, and Kelvin Skerritt. So, yeah, my, one of my favourite players, um, just that that relationship between the player and the crowd. Never seen anything like it. Um, uh, and therefore, and over 400 appearances, yeah. you know, impressive considering how long he was banned. He was banned fairly often, <laughs> and he's yeah. still second on the list for most yeah. cast appearances. So I'm yeah. just going to bring that up. I mean, obviously, yeah. I think the connection with the fans alone would be enough to get him in this team. But yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Go on off Wikipedia, so it might not be 100% accurate, but they've got it down as 431, which is an unbelievable amount of games, not least, as we mentioned with Truxy, for a prop forward in that era where Kelvin Skerritt had a target on his back. Yeah. It, it, it's quite something, and... I mean, talk about longevity. Dean Sampson is someone I remember just about. I mean, he retired. I think he played his last game in 2004, 2005, somehow. Um, he made his debut in 1987. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. just ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous at that position. Uh, but yeah, he's someone I'm just about old enough to to remember playing his, playing his final games. And I think he then went on to coach the academy team as well. Uh, after that, or maybe, maybe doing it at the same time. Um, remarkable player. Remarkable player. And again, just one of those names is just synonymous. Um Opposition fans hated him as well, didn't they? He was a real pantomime villain. Um, but it's a sign of a good player, isn't it? When the Absolutely. opposition fans hate you. Yeah. Absolutely. That Chanadino. Yeah. Uh, I remember it. I remember it. And uh, uh, Diesel as well. Uh, to, uh, that, that was Diesel, didn't they? So um, you got any, any memory? You just about got a memory? Just, I'm similar to you. It's literally the back end, but his impact on the team sort of as a player 
he's one that's always talked about. So you've always got somebody mentioning him in and around these sorts of discussions when you're talking about all-time great cast players. Yeah. So it's yeah. no surprise. 100%. And just looking at the appearances total, like I say, 431 is tied with Arthur Atkinson. I mean, if we can get someone on who can talk to us about Arthur Atkinson, that's that's the real dream. <laughs> but way back in 1935, that really would be something. Uh, but I uh, just mentioned very briefly a player I don't think he's going to make your team I think we've gone past his, his particular position. How did John Joyner make 613 appearances, by the way? <laughs> that is just, Incredible, yeah. yeah. Is, I mean, the, in, I guess in the days where you were playing weekend midweek, weekend midweek, weekend midweek, mm-hmm. um, three competitions, if you were you know, if you were a top player and, and you were resilient, then potentially you could get there. But even so, massive achievement. Amazing, and I'm sure John Joyner will end up on one of these teams uh, surely, as, surely. As, we up, uh, as we go down the line. Uh, okay. Incredible front row, back row, number 11. This is where I had to make a change to get Dean in. So um, I had Dale Fritz in here okay. um, and I've taken him out. Um, so Fritzy, brilliant. Briefly touch on him. Defensively, the best player I've seen. Um, hits hard, went hunting, good in big games, really consistent. A real team always needs a Dale Fritz yeah. to do the dirty work. Um, but this isn't a real team, so I'm afraid he came out um, to accommodate the bloke who came away from prop, um, which was Grant Millington. Yeah. Um, so to to get Dean in the team, kind of out goes Dale Fritz, in comes Mello into the the back row. Um, just an incredible all round player, could do the tough stuff. Um, but it is a half back in a prop's body, isn't he? Um, could yeah. could do the tough stuff, could play up, could play up top. Um, could take the hard yards, could take the hard carries, good in defence, but when you needed him to, he could really play um, in terms of ball play. Um, So particularly before contact, like Lee Crooks, you talk about his ball play in post-contact, but Milo pre-contact, being able to play right at that line and in the millisecond before contact, spin that ball away and then get smashed usually and just get up and carry on. Um, incredible ability and probably the best forward I've seen in terms of their ball handling pre-contact. Yeah, I'm struggling to think of a better one. I, I really am. That's, that's across all the Super League teams as well, to be honest. Uh, certainly cast players, but um, show me a better one. Uh, in Super League in the last 10, 15 years, I, I really can't think of one. It's testament to Milo, isn't it, that Steve has taken the Adam Hughes approach, that yep. you've simply got to get him in somewhere because he's that important. He's that synonymous with his team over the last 10-15 years um, and yeah, yeah again it's very very difficult we talk about Rangi uh, Rangi's going to be very difficult to not have in this team I think this is proof that Milton's a very very tough name to get out of this team as well and I I almost dare someone to come on and, <laughs> and not put Grant Milton uh, in, in the follow pack and they're going to they're gonna have to convince us there aren't they yeah, I say, mean, it, sorry Adam I'm going to say I dare him to come on and as not berate him and Make oh, yeah. him really justify the decision not <laughs> yeah. to put Mello in here. Well, I'm glad I didn't leave him out and leave Dale Fritz in there. Um, I mean, the other the other bloke I thought about, right? Do you remember Mike Smith? He was just, just, yeah, just. Yeah, 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 nearly right because Mike Smith was either like Junior Moore's, but on steroids. He was mm. huge and <laughs> he could make 250, 300 meters a game. And sometimes he'd be carrying, and other times he'd be 
it played like Ryan Bailey did when he was at Cass, and it it was real rocks and diamonds. And Mike Smith was one that I'm thinking should I because some I remember him some games being phenomenal, yeah. um, but just not quite consistent. But yeah. it's not just consistent. He either was rubbish or an absolute <laughs> beast. Um, so he was a he was a consideration. We've yeah, a few yeah. of those over the years, sadly. When he was good, he was good. But he almost got in just on a bit of a, do you know what? You just never knew what you were going to get when you turn up to see Mike Smith play. Um, but um, you can't put him in ahead of Milo, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Or the other back rower. Which we'll come on to, which is number 12. I'm interested in what you're going to do with this because there is one player I'm certain is in this 13. Not entirely sure where he's going to be. Yeah. So who's at 12? 12 to Aronica. Here he is. Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. he might be. <laughs> Again, it did play in the back row. Um, not regularly, but did play in the back row for Cass. And even it's when he was... Team, Steve. He, yeah. He, he's absolutely fine. He, even <laughs> when he played 13, he often hit that right edge. He was very much a right edge player, even as a lock. Um, and just the best. The best forward, maybe even player, I've seen play for the club. Um, everything, everything about him, um, ball handling, his, um, the, his line running, his ability to create something out of nothing, um, but his defense as well, he would just go around hunting people to smash. Um, he was just an incredibly gifted all round player, um, and a real athlete, um, ahead of his time, really. Um, I think I remember reading his book and him saying, when he came to Cass, he, he wasn't interested in the drinking culture. He wasn't interested in the going out after the game. He was, I would say, the the first of the modern kind of yeah. era of players who really looked after themselves. And it showed because he was bigger, faster, stronger, and more skillful than almost any player that was playing alongside him in that cast team or that he was coming up against. And he was just dominant. He was dominant in many, many games um, in, in attack and defence. Um, and I think the other player to talk around in terms of professionalism was Richie Blackmore, who had that, who'd had that same upbringing, hadn't he? So those two coming in really upped that cast team in terms of the professionalism. I'm not sure it had an impact on everybody, but certainly those two came in with a, the modern attitude of this is a pro sport and we need to, you know, um, make sure that we're in prime physical condition and that's what he was he was just in prime physical condition all the time um, and, and was just dominant um, in most games that he played and you know even when he went back to Australia won a grand final with Melbourne yeah. um, and a lot of people say he should have been man of the match in that grand final um, he didn't get it I, don't, I didn't get it I was listening to a podcast with him recently um, but there are a lot of people who'd say he was the best player on the pitch in that NRL grand final for Melbourne Storm um, but he'd been doing that for Cass for, for a good number of years so yeah Tuara Nikau, um has to be in that team Yeah another one of these top just obviously legends but uh, top international players at the time as you say right. 19 counts for New Zealand as you say the fact that three years later he's going on and um, being arguably the best player in one of the iconic uh, games in Australia with the Storm in 1999. Unbelievable. And, all, and I think we, we have this thing with Cass as well. I mean, we are a bit romantic about it in the sense that I know I've read some um, Tawera's obviously comments, stuff like that. Fell in love with the with the club and the, the stadium and everything, the noise and everything in there. He's one of those people who came over and just couldn't believe that 
probably seven, eight, nine thousand people can make that much noise <laughs> in, in, in the little shed we call home. You know what I mean? It's uh, he really bought into it, and that's why he ended up making one hundred and sixty plus appearances. You know, it's it's a remarkable player that he, again, it, it's a different it's a different era, so it's difficult for me and Adam Thomas visualize this absolute behemoth of a rugby league player almost playing for Cass uh, in, in that kind of time. But yeah, just just remarkable and, and brilliant that we, we we had a player simply that good. Yeah, I, I think it says a lot as well. When he came back over and joined Warrington, his last game for Warrington was was at Cass, right? And obviously, he got clapped off the field by all the the Warrington fans, and all the Cass fans started chanting his name down at the Weldon Road end. And you could still see he didn't quite understand why those Cass fans were chanting his name. And eventually, you know, he came down to the Weldon Road end and kind of did a lap of honour. But you could see the look on his face still really humble and not quite sure why all the cast fans were, were clapping an opposition player off. Um, but that's the, that's the esteem that the guys held in. hundred percent. And do you know what? I know it's a slightly different era now, 20 years on, but doesn't happen very often that doesn't happen no. very, you've got to be a no. top, top, top player to have moved on, come back and get that, get that kind of reaction. So that is absolutely testament to him. There's multiple players who get, a slightly different response <laughs> when, when, when they come back. <laughs> let's just say when they come back in different colours. Um, so yeah, just 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 a market to an account. Just how important he was, how special he was uh, to the cast fan base. Again, Adam, one of those players I mentioned it with Sanjanelis earlier, and, and Richie Blackmore, maybe number one in, in terms of the cast players. I wish yeah. one hundred percent. I think he's he's up there for every fan that wasn't around in that era. Yeah, everybody knows the name. We talked about, uh, we talk about in our upcoming podcast with Steve about yep. sort of players maybe uh, fans sorry not maybe knowing too much about the nineteen eighty six team and maybe a little bit of education maybe needed when we get to centenary year. But the name to our Nikau is synonymous with Cass. No matter what age you are, people know that name. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and they should do. Uh, and they should do simply. So, uh, yeah, a remarkable addition to this team, which leaves one final player to lose forward, number 13, to complete. Steve's 13. Yeah, um, Adrian Vowles. So, Vowlesy, um, again, like Tuara, was kind of um, epitomised the cast team of his era. Um, that 1999 team is very much summed up by, by the way Adrian Vowles played the game. Um, he was tough. He his defence was immense. His one-on-one hits were you could feel them. I remember watching a game. We were away at Huddersfield, and he put a shot on someone quite close to the stand, and it took my breath away how hard <laughs> that guy was hitting people. Um, he was just immense in defence. Um, his leadership again, absolutely outstanding. Driving standards. Um, but he was good with the ball as well. Uh, and I think his his reputation as a hard man, as a defensive kind of um, player, maybe overshadows sometimes how good he was with the ball. Obviously played a fair bit at centre. Um, and of all the cast players I've seen, I think he had the best cut-out pass to the left winger. So often he would throw that cut-out ball um, to... Richard Gay, I think it was, who was often playing left wing at that point. But whoever was out on that left wing, Volsey could ping that pass from a long way away and it was flat and straight and so fast. Um, 
that the defence didn't have that opportunity to slide. And he used to do that regularly. And, and I've not seen a player who could throw that pass, that cut-out ball to the winger, any better than, than Adrian Valls could. So his ball playing was also really strong as well. But obviously, most remembered for his, his absolutely you know, um, bruising defence and, and a lot of Casa's success in, in 1999 was based on Valls's um, and Dale Fritz's um, defensive efforts that, that kept that the opposition to kind of even in their own half because we were so hard to, to break down because those two players were just leading that defence and were all, um, they were making hits that were just rocking teams backwards. Um, so yeah, 13 for his defensive ability mostly, but also for the attacking threat he has on that left edge was Adrian Valls. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very popular pick. It's going to be a very yeah. popular pick at the 13 position, that's for sure. I referenced it on mine that if I'd simply been born a few oh. years earlier, I'm pretty sure he might have made it in my team, to be honest, with all due respect to Joe Westman. I think it's a, it is a fair pick regardless. Um, talk about players, we just mentioned about T, about kind of buying into what Cass is, buying into the club, buying into the Tigers. Is there a better example? Perhaps Milo, but is there a better example really of an Australian coming over who just absolutely loves Castleford? I don't know, I'm not sure. I mean, it's evident on social media, isn't it? It's evident yeah. that every, yeah. every weekend cast play, Valsley absolutely loves it. And um, to, to the extent that people were asking him to come over to be coach last year. and yeah, Including me. <laughs> and remarkably, you didn't even deny it fully <laughs> to start with, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, just just... One of the great, great imports, isn't he, Adam? Yeah, he really is, and he's he's. We I mentioned about saying Tawara Nickel synonymous with Cass. I know Val's went on and played for a few other teams around West Yorkshire. We'll not mention them. Yeah, don't But I think his time at Cass is is what he's best known for over over in the in the UK for sure. And you just got to see the reaction of the fans still whenever he's mentioned, whenever they get chance to talk to him on social media of how much that player is that guy never mind the player the actual guy himself is just loved in and around cast fans 100% we've mentioned it again on, on a different podcast which will be out in a couple of weeks um, around kind of plans around the centenary in a couple of years to follow that doesn't even have to be the centenary if there is a, a chance to kind of bring some of these players over for games to get them out at half time that kind of thing the reaction when Valsy walks out will be oh, unlike anything yeah. yeah, obviously, and of course, be... Man of Steel, Man of Steel winner as yeah, well. Yeah. Man, of... Man of Steel winner, and that that's not even top of the list when you're talking about his achievements. We're, we're saying, oh, Man of Steel yeah. winner is an as an afterthought, and actually, Cass's first ever mm. Man of Steel winner, and that's something we're saying as an afterthought to describe him as a player. And I was actually going to say when you originally brought him up that obviously we've been blessed with quite a few Man of Steel winners obviously over the last twenty five years, but. Arguably the one that epitomizes that kind of man of steel the most, potentially out, out, out yeah. of our guys that have actually won it. Obviously, sure. yeah, we've had a couple of hookers in there, but generally the guys who've won it since have been for the more their attacking play, to be fair, or not really their defensive efforts. Whereas I think you said yourself, Steve, you, you think about his defense first and foremost, Valsing just being hard, being just solid as a rock. Um, I think that's really what maybe not so much nowadays with the, with the point system and all that kind of stuff, but. I think that's what the Man of Steel was meant to kind of represent. Uh, originally, that kind of hard-working player. And the fact we had one so early on in Super League as well, only three years in, uh, in 99, just absolute testament to a player. Um, just a, and, an unbelievable 13. And testament to his character as well, because, I mean, when he started, he got a lot of flack. 
he was yeah. got a lot of criticism when he first came over um and he, he tried playing six and it didn't quite work for him um and he was being thrown into a, a really struggling team a poor team around him and he, he raised the standards but the fans were did not take to Valsey straight away he got a lot of um he got a lot of criticism um when he first started which is kind of i often say on social media when players are getting a bit of a bag in if they're fairly new just 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 remember adrian vals wasn't great when he first came over and look what he did for the club in the end um I would but, argue and again another testament to his character and his resilience to to kind of go from being kind of somebody who got criticized and, and when you're playing for cast you hear that criticism right from the mm. stands um to going on to being a club a club legend and a man of steel within that short space of time testament to the bloke yeah i think that's a really good point and another player in this pack that you've got which who is an ever present of all our three teams wasn't necessarily his fault because unfortunately he was an ian millwood signing but grab millet and didn't really pull up any trees in the first year or two Really, obviously, he was, playing, he was actually playing in the second row. I think uh, originally, I think he had the eleven shirt. It, it, it was okay. I think by his own admission, he was okay in the first couple of years. Similar to Valsy, thrown into a pretty poor team. Obviously, he was in we were pretty dire straits. The club at that time becomes an absolute club legend. I think it's it's a really good point to end on. I think actually, uh, Steve, you you make a great point that you can, can give his lads some chance. <laughs> give his lads <laughs> a bit of a chance. You never know where where they can be, and the, there is the fact that two of those players who maybe didn't have the greatest start. Uh, to life at Cask and end up in a team of all-time Cask greats just just says it all, doesn't it? Um, that's been amazing. I, I've loved that. I've loved that episode. Thank you so much for coming on, Steve. I'll run through your team before we let you go. And quite the team it is. Dare I say, fullback Graham Steadman, a backline of St. Janellis, Richie Blackmore, Michael Shenton, Greg Eden, half-back partnership of Rangi Chase and Luke Gale. Front row, Lee Crooks, Paul McShane, Dean Sampson. That's going to cause some damage. Wow. Back row of Grant Millington, Tawahera Nakao, and then locking them all together, Adrian Vowles. You won't fancy taking that lot on, would you? No. It's that pack. How scary is that pack? Terrifying pack. It's an absolutely <laughs> terrifying pack. It's a brilliant team. I've loved hearing all the stories. That's been absolutely brilliant. I've really, really enjoyed it. Once again, thank you for coming on, Steve. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you all for listening. Uh, We've loved recording this episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it. I'm sure you have. It's been a special one. And we'll see you soon. Coif.